This is the Forward Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Xander Braffel, Director of Marketing Operations at CS2. And joining me today is Director of Solutions Architecture at CS2, Nina Volcheva. Nina, it's so great to have you on the show today. How are you doing? I know. I'm so excited. I've listened to probably every single episode at this point, so I'm excited to finally be featured on my own episode, talking about one of my favorite topics. Long time overdue. Um, This is definitely a passion of yours, I know. I've learned a lot from you uh, in my own data enrichment projects, so I think that our audience is definitely going to get a lot out of, uh, of the topic today. The topic today is data enrichment strategies and really like how to operationalize this. Um, data enrichment obviously being a really critical, uh, a really critical part of your operations strategy and your go-to-market strategy. And I feel like everybody does it a little bit different. And I feel like it can also cause a lot of unintended damage to your database. So having the right strategy up front is really important. Right. Yes, absolutely. So um, before we jump right in, Nina, uh, this is like the first time that you've been solo on the podcast, correct? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been on the team episodes before, but this is my first solo one. Well, welcome. Um, would love to would love to just get a little bit of background from you for our audience. Um, tell us, how did you get involved in marketing operations? Um, and then also, how did you get involved with CS2? Yeah, so I've actually been in marketing operations pretty much from the beginning of my career. I Happened to land a job at Cisco right after college, doing mostly campaign operations. So stayed there for a few years, and I moved on to a few different startups, including Datastacks, where I got to own Marketo and all the Martech tools. And then um, a few years later, um, joined CS2. I was actually a previous client at a company called Diamante, and I loved working with the team so much. I just wanted to, I jumped at the opportunity to join CS2, and I've been here for about two years. That's incredible. Going from a client to a director in the mm-hmm. team, um, providing a ton of value to all of our clients. Uh, you're in a unique position that you don't have just one set of clients that you work with. You can work with all of ours um, because we all rely on you for a bunch of expertise that you have. Um, how is that? It, do you Do you thrive in that type of environment? Yeah, and it's definitely um, just a lot more learning than you would get in like a traditional in-house role. Like I always joke, like we're always, even together, we're always working on a life cycle project together. (laughs) Like I think I've built like five life cycles just in the past year, which, you know, in an in-house role, like maybe you'll do that once or twice in your career. But here you get to do a lot of projects and you evolve each time you do do one. So it's a lot of great learning. Absolutely. We're always learning something new, even even though we, we've done so many life cycle projects. Every time we do it, it's a right. little bit different. It's a different approach. But you, so like it's still really engaging. Uh, I, I used to build life cycle projects a lot when I was in-house because we kept on changing the way that we were going to go about going to market. And I was like, I was getting really annoyed with it because I was changing so much. <laughs> Whereas here, they're always different clients. So right. I actually stay really engaged, even though it's like technically the same maybe project that we would think about so mm-hmm. 
Well, good. Uh, Nina, thank you so much for sharing some of that, um, some of your background there. Um, speaking of that background, since data enrichment is one of your passions, um, let's just make sure that we're all on the same page. Uh, what is data enrichment and what are some of the uh, benefits to having a strong uh, implementation and strategy around this? Yeah. So uh, data enrichment, typically you would define it as the process of enhancing first-party data, like what you already have in your existing database, uh, which could be incomplete or outdated, and you then enhance it with additional third-party data in order to improve database health and completeness and accuracy and get more data and information that can be used in segmentation, targeting, um, routing, um, among other things. Uh, typically, we see data that gets enriched. It can be like at the company demographic level, so things like company address, employee size, revenue, industry, or the person level demographics, so things like personal person address, job title, job function, job level, phone number, email validation. Like there's so many, there's probably like hundreds of data points. And some vendors also, also provide behavior intent data, so pain points, uh, researching certain topics, technologies used, things like that. Um, and typically the way that enrichment works is data is sent through an integration between your marketing automation platform and or your CRM and the enrichment tools such as uh, some of the ones we work with are ZoomInfo and Clearbit and then the enriched data is linked back into those systems. So just a high level overview of how data enrichment actually works. Fantastic and it's it's very foundational right? Everybody right. says data is king Mm -hmm. And I think every environment that we walk into, admittedly, even environments with a data enrichment platform, like you still have stale data. It's, it's oh, yeah. such a difficult problem to solve for. Um, but having a trusted data vendor um, is key to mm -hmm. making that work, right? Correct. Yeah. Fantastic. So if I don't we're going to spend the majority of the of today's podcast really talking about like going into some of the weeds on like how to do it right and and what are some of the considerations but for our audience who who may be looking at this more from a strategic perspective um if i didn't have a data enrichment platform do you have any suggestions on ways that i could help to build a business case to get a tool because one thing that i know is that a lot of these tools are pretty expensive um, in the grand scheme of, of your technical, uh, of your tech stack, um, because again, data is expensive. So any, any suggestions or recommendations around that, Nina? Yeah, that's always a tricky part, building a business case for it, especially if your leadership doesn't realize how important data is, but quality data really is the key to being able to segment your database effectively for sales and marketing. Uh, we will talk about measuring the effectiveness of enrichment later. But if you just have absolutely nothing today, um, there are a few data points that you can pull. So things I like to pull is um, just look at overall reach of your um, ICP accounts. Like, do you have the account data in your system necessary to build sales territories around and segment for marketing? Um, do you have field completeness of the key fields that you use for targeting and segmentation? Just review your most critical fields, see how accurate is the data. Um, how many records are missing um, key data values. Uh, for example, if you have key personas that you're marketing to, audit the persona coverage and see if you're missing a large percentage because of a lack of job title, job function, 
job level um, that can be augmented by data enrichment. Or also if you have a, a large percentage of your database that gets set to disqualified nurture, if you have disposition re reasons that indicate bad data or unable to reach, look at what percentage are missing phone numbers or like are missing email addresses, because um, those are also uh, data points that can be um, aug augmented by data enrichment. And I do also want to point out that you know some of these vendors also can be used for contact acquisition. Like you can just um, uh, download basically like a bunch of, uh, of of prospect into your database, but we don't recommend using a data platform just to spam contacts and leads. It can be useful for identifying key personas within your target account, um, and uh, just work works well on other outbound tactics outside of email. So use it for paid media, social selling, things like that. But just don't don't spam your just don't spam uh, you know cold data. <laughs> just wanted to throw that out there. Absolutely. And I, I mean, it's a big topic. Um, mm -hmm. I know, I know it's it. Every time that I speak with another mops manager, um, and their teams are doing it, like, it's just that like, oh, you, you kind of cringe when, mm -hmm. when you when you have that conversation, both of us do, we're like, I don't want to do it. But yeah. it is coming down the pipeline. <laughs> so that's a whole different conversation. Yes. But it is it isn't it is a way that you know, Obviously, you're trying to get that data after you have uh, acquired them from actual inbound methods is mm -hmm. ideal. But you know, if you wanted if, if you wanted to supplement your social selling strategy or things like that, I think that it is a, a definitely an applicable use case. Yeah. Um, I I know like when I'm having conversations around lead scoring or account scoring or or things like that. Um, which was just a, recently a topic, um, you always have to start with, well, what does the database data tell us? Um, mm -hmm. If I create a really rigid demographic score based upon job title and all of my job titles are not normalized and right. you know it's only 30% of my records that have it, like that will tell you whether or not that lead scoring pro project is going to be worthwhile investing Correct. all of that time or yeah. do you need to get the right data first, right? Yeah, definitely. We and we've done a lot of of implementations where, uh, as part of like a lead scoring project, we also incorporate enrichment data, which can be so much helpful because it's just hard getting that data without um, an enrichment provider, unless you have like like twenty forms. Uh, tw 20 fields on a form <laughs> that you always want to avoid. <laughs> and then you have no inbound leads because nobody wants yeah. to fill out that form. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other the other piece that you had mentioned uh, just around the platform itself is is things like intent data or de-anonymizing your website. Um, you can actually utilize these tools to reduce the number of form fills. Um, so you can, you can build your business case around not just the internal health of your database and like prioritizing that for segmentation and better targeting, mm -hmm. but you can also improve the customer buyer experience, uh, when they're filling out those forms. And if you can remove some of those fields that today you may be requesting of somebody, um, you can reduce some of those friction points, uh, increasing conversion on your website, which I think is every marketer's goal uh, from a digital perspective. So yeah, there's definitely. definitely some areas there to uh, to hook into as well. Mm -hmm. So Nina, 
you you have come up with uh, a few different enrichment projects uh, while you're while here at CS2. I know that I've utilized a lot of your documentation and process. Um, how would you recommend going about setting up a data enrichment tool uh, in your CRM or marketing automation platform? Yeah, there's definitely a lot to think about um, just around the strategy and before you actually do the actual implementation. Uh, the first thing is uh, deciding where to integrate, whether you do it through your marketing automation platform or Salesforce or both. Uh, for example, if you have Marketo and Salesforce, but the majority of leads are created first in Marketo and then synced over to Salesforce, you would typically want to set up the person level enrichment, um, like leads or in contacts through Marketo, and then set up the company or account level enrichment through Salesforce. Um, so just think about where the data first gets created. And then also think about when you when you need to enrich. Uh, once a record is created, or do you want the data sooner, like when they're filling out a form? Uh, since, as you mentioned, Xander, like there are some enrichment vendors that offer a form uh, enrichment solution where you can reduce the number of fields on your forms by appending that data on the back end through enrichment. And then that, that leads to better form conversion. That's um, fantastic. So, so really being focused mm -hmm. on the the where and the what, right? What right. type of information? Um, you know, you can't. You're not going to set up your marketing automation platform to update accounts because most of them are right. not updating accounts, exactly. right? So you still mm -hmm. need to have it in both of those systems. Exactly. Um, or you know, you may make a decision to say, I just want it in one or the other, but just understand that there are going to be limitations from a read-write perspective and a order of ops perspective. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. And then the, the second point I would um, think about before you set up is like deciding on which fields you actually want to create in Enrich. Um, typically, an enrichment vendor offers dozens, if not even hundreds of data points, and you probably won't need to use all of them. So ask the vendor if they can just send you a list of fields that are available to map over in Enrich and make sure uh, you understand how you'll be charged. Typically, we've seen where it's like a credit per record enriched, regardless of how many data points you're actually enriching on that record. So go through the list of fields available to Enrich and document which fields you actually want to sync over. Like maybe you don't care about uh, syncing over the company founded year or how many Twitter followers that company has. So just something to, to think about of actually like what are the key fields that you, you do plan to use. Do you recommend like looking at your your existing number of fields? I know sometimes we're, we'll, right. we'll be with clients who are pretty much near their limit. So if you're going to mm -hmm. add 50 fields for data enrichment, that may be a bad idea. Yeah, that is always something to consider. Um, yeah, if you are running into field limit uh, especially on the Salesforce side, always think about that, but then also kind of weigh that against how useful would it be to actually have that data. Maybe um, if you are running into limits, just think about if there are fields, existing fields that you can actually deprecate in order to make room for these enrichment fields. Yeah, that makes sense. And sometimes they have like custom objects, right? Where they where you can have more information maybe on on their custom object, but you just prioritize the fields that you need to operationalize on a lead in contact. Right, right, right. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And then I always also like to document how each enrichment field will be used. Like if the data will be used to append uh, to a standard field, make sure to document that. 
Um, you can add, uh, like ideally add it to a data dictionary that you already have, or at least list what fields are mapped for um, enrichment and how the data gets appended to your standard fields. And one tip I like to offer is also checking with the vendor if they have an email verification enrichment data point. And if they do, definitely take advantage and map over those fields which are helpful in figuring out which email addresses in your database are valid versus invalid. And that way you can also avoid paying separately for an email verification tool if your enrichment vendor can already offer that. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great option, and I think one that people uh, kind of forget about. Um, but being able to utilize the third party tool doesn't impact your deliverability because you can you can basically use this tool to identify if it's bad emails, and they'll and they'll come back. They'll give you like it's good, it's not good, or we don't mm -hmm. know. And I always recommend like if it's not good, and they can tell you that, great. Yeah, those are the people that you can just immediately eliminate and then just be careful with the ones that they don't know because you don't know either. Yeah, it'll be really useful if uh, if you are doing database purges, um, just ones that are balanced for sure and your your email verification comes back and they're they're invalid then once those those are ones you can purge from your database potentially. Absolutely. Um, so would you suggest, like you, you kind of mentioned reviewing the fields that are, that are available to you. Do you generally recommend that you map into standard fields or would you, if, if you had no constraints, would you always recommend that somebody create custom fields for this? Yeah. Unless you're running out of fields you can create, I recommend creating custom fields for all the enrichment data you'll be syncing over. Um, ideally, ideally, the data should be available in both uh, your CRM and marketing automation platform. Um, I've seen cases where originally you think you may only need to see the data in Marketo, but then maybe you implement lean data at, another, at a later point and decide you'd like to use the location enrichment data for lead routing, like but based it on the company country, but you don't have that data in Salesforce. It only lives in Marketo. So it's then more of a hassle to then create the field in Salesforce and map into the existing field from Marketo. Uh, I have to work with Marketo support to do that and get all the data corrected, which, um, yeah, is just a bigger hassle. So if you have Marketo in Salesforce, for example, create all the fields in Salesforce first and then make sure the Marketo integration user can see them so they'll sync over. And one gotcha with Salesforce that I always like to mention um, for person level enrichment, you'll want to create the fields on both the lead and contact objects. And then don't forget to map the fields together in lead field mapping. Uh, we've seen cases where people are like, they get converted to a contact and then the data disappears and it's because uh, they haven't been mapped over and don't exist on, on the contact object. So you lose all that data if the lead gets converted to a contact. So always make sure the fields are created on both and, and mapped together. And another thing is always thinking about what objects you actually want to enrich, like whether only leads or contacts or also accounts. Uh, you may want to start out with just lead and contact enrichment, but if the vendor also allows for account enrichment, set that up too to get account level data, such as revenue size, industry, and employee range, if those are important data points for your company. That's um, fantastic. Um, I, I was... I still struggle a little bit of like, is it worth having the custom, like a zoom info field or a clear bit specific field? 
Um, because then if the data mismatches, you know, sometimes people get a little bit confused. Um, where's the, I know that you that you found value of having these in separate fields. Are there any like specific use cases that you've planned that around? Um, yeah, so yeah, usually we see there are two options, either create custom fields specific for the enrichment vendor or map into the existing fields, which you already have. Um, and then one thing to keep in mind is uh, how the, how you map the data. Uh, so whether you set it to overwrite or complete if missing. So I always recommend creating vendor-specific fields and then setting them up to get updated every time the record gets enriched because it gives you more control of the data. And it also helps to ensure you have the latest data since typically with some enrichment vendors, the records you enrich will be what's called under management for a certain period of time, like a year. So you can uh, enrich them multiple times to have the latest and most accurate data. That makes so sense. So in, yeah, instead, like if you do choose to map to existing fields, uh, like standard fields directly, you would typically set it up to only update the field with the enrichment data if it's currently empty, but that can be limiting since maybe you do want it to update if the current value is junk. So yeah. I do like to create vendor specific fields and then set up automation in either the marketing automation platform or via Salesforce flows on how the data should then be appended to standard fields. And you can have much more control that way on when the data should be appended. Um, for example, like I always like to point out for state, you can build automation and have criteria to only append the state, the standard state field with the enrichment value. If all the standard address fields are empty or the country is empty or countries United States or Canada but state is empty that way you can prevent uh, mismatch scenarios like if a lead already has let's say India for a value for country but the state gets appended as New York through the enrichment <laughs> which things like that can happen uh, the complete address data would be mismatched so having this additional criteria which you can set up with more control through like your own automation it can prevent this by only appending of the, the data if the country is United States or Canada um, or if all the address fields are empty. That's Another great. example is um, like job title. Maybe you, you already have a value in the standard field, but it's junk or something like test or NA, not provided, unknown, none. So in that case, you can have automation to append the enrichment, uh, to, enrich, to en append the job title with the enrichment job title instead which will likely be a more accurate value than what you already have so i just that's why i like vendor specific fields and then setting up automation uh, in your own system so you have more options this way um, since the custom enrichment fields are always synced and then you decide how to use that data in your own system very cool yeah and and i mean maybe there's certain processes where you just say well let's just use the zoom info field and like we'll keep yeah we'll keep the standard but you have the option at that point. right mm -hmm. um and i've definitely seen value of you know having having like being able to overwrite not applicable na those are mm -hmm. things that you don't necessarily get a lot of control over within the data platforms themselves right yeah because there you, you typically just get the option either append if empty or overwrite which and a lot of times it could be dangerous if you just overwrite it um so that's why yeah with with this uh approach you have more control over how the data actually does get appended very cool um 
we know that data is expensive. Do you have any recommendations on things that you should do to kind of limit um, how many credits are being used if that's the way that the model is, the subscription model is built? Yeah, definitely. Um, you may want to create a suppression list of records that you don't want to enrich. Um, things like competitors, employees, people that are unsubscribed. So you just don't want to waste credits on um, on records you'll never market to. So just don't send those to enrichment. And then also um, always be mindful of the order of operations and how you're using the enrichment data. For example, like if you have a lead routing and it depends on address fields like territory, so things like country and state being populated for territory management, ensure there is enough time for the lead to get enriched, sync to Salesforce, um, then the, so then the data actually gets enriched and appended before you try to route them. So with lean data, for example, I like to have a hold until node that waits for the enrichment and the whole order of ops to be done processing before running them through the lead router. Another um, example is for opt-in, um, have a short wait step to allow for the lead to get enriched if it doesn't have country information uh, before running them through like any kind of opt-in automation you have. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, any other tips or advice on the build? I know I want to talk about monitoring and uh, and proving out the value of the tool next, but anything that, that we should discuss uh, with the audience on the build itself? Yeah, the build, I mean, I always like to document, make sure exactly what, uh, what fields are created and how they're mapped over um, and how they're then appended to standard fields. Um, typically, um, like, and I've done the build both ways, like if you have Marketo, uh, typically, I would build there, uh, build all the automation for how to actually append um, the enrichment data to your standard or existing fields, or you can also do it through Salesforce flows as well. Again, I think it mostly depends on where the data originally gets created first. Um, so that's where you decide where to build this additional automation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know I've I've recently been working with a client who actually has multiple data vendors. Uh, what a fortunate place to be in. Um, mm -hmm. So like their Salesforce team uses one and then their marketing team uses mm -hmm. another. And then the question becomes like, well, which one should we use as, as a source of truth, source of truth or things yeah. like that, right? Um, and and the answer is it depends. And you have, right. to, you have to have those conversations. Definitely don't solve a data enrichment project in a silo. Um, mm -hmm. Because it impacts not just marketing, not just sales, but the whole go-to-market team. Um, it could have impacts on customer success. It could have impacts on professional services. So make sure that you're getting uh, all of the inputs from the various teams to make sure that you are, you know, identifying the right vendor if you don't have one or utilizing the right vendor if you do uh, and perhaps you have multiple. Because um, nothing's worse than routing somebody based upon data vendor one, and then data vendor two has completely different information. Mm -hmm. And then the sales team comes knocking on the door saying, hey, why is my lead routing broken? You know, I went out to this data vendor and it says it's in my territory. Um, mm -hmm. Can definitely cause more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> Spoken yeah, from Yeah, exactly. And, and then it kind of just creates like messiness where you maybe you don't even know where the data is coming from like if you do directly append it to standard fields like 
and that gets created that way, you might not know that it's coming from this vendor versus then it tries to get enriched by this other vendor. So always have a clear process and that's documented if exactly how the data um, gets appended. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I can't, I, I don't think that we talked through this, this use case either, but the other reason why I like having separate fields and having the automation rules built uh, accordingly, is like sometimes the salesperson has different information than a vendor has, you know, mm-hmm. uh, title recently changed, vendors out right. of date, they update the title. Next week they come back, the title's been overwritten by the, by the data vendor. And now you're going, well, you know, I, need, I I want it to be accurate. They're actually, they got a promotion. They're now in the, in my target account list or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you you want to have that flexibility for sure. Exactly. So um, when it comes to monitoring, uh, what what recommendation do you have to to keep an eye on this and then also prove out its effectiveness? Yeah, like definitely make sure you, you don't just set it and forget it. Like make sure you continuously do monitor enrichment. Um, I like to create a database health dashboard in Salesforce and have components that look at enrichment status. Um, So like how many records were enriched, how many were not matched, how many were only company level enriched versus person level enriched. If uh, there were any enrichment errors, things that you need to troubleshoot. Um, Typically the vendor would have like some sort of field like enrichment status that indicates the outcome of like what the actual like if they were enriched and then how they were enriched and also i like to look at field completeness in your key fields that you use for segmentation and routing things like that to see if it improves over time now that you have enrichment and another um another thing i do want to point out is like how to like usually i like to set up both instant and schedule enrichment when possible so instant is when a record is first created, you would send it through enrichment or you can get enriched through the form. And that can be done as part of a master order of operations program. But there are always cases I've seen where enrichment might fail, like the webhook could be throwing an error or just unavailable. Um, so I also like to set a batch enrichment where in case any records were not enriched, which you would typically identify by that enrichment status field, you can send them through on a nightly or weekly batch again to try enriching those that were missed. And that's where having a dashboard uh, where you look at your enrichment results will be helpful to know, like if there are a lot of, like a large percentage that aren't getting enriched for a certain reason, and then you can look into that. Yeah, very helpful. Uh, you know, every project should end with a with a report and a dashboard, and and mm-hmm. sometimes the easiest reports and dashboards to make sure that you have built are the things that you are monitoring now on a on a weekly basis or or what have you. And the more that you can build automation to just constantly fix that, so it doesn't have to yes. be a manual push, uh, the better. Exactly. Fantastic. Um, so that's from like a data cleanliness perspective. What about from like, if I'm trying to prove out the value of this, of this investment that we made as an organization, what do you recommend that we, uh, that we report on there? Yeah. So for measuring enrichment impact, like, especially if it's before you're actually implementing enrichment, I like to create a snapshot of the database and key fields pre-enrichment to see the percent of data completeness. And then uh, once you have enrichment on for a few months, take a snapshot after the data has been enriched. So, um, and then if you're not enriching the entire database, then pick a time frame, like usually like say between one and three months, 
and then take a snapshot of uh, records created after the enrichment has been live for that time frame to see if the percent of data completeness is improved. And um, you can also use the enrichment status field to compare if leaves that have been enriched have a higher conversion rate than those who have not been enriched. Um, another thing I, I always like to do is create like an actual data quality dashboard and score functionality. There's actually a Salesforce trailhead on that that we can link to for this podcast, but that's also something that um, is useful for measuring like, like once you do have enrichment, like is the data quality actually improving? Um, and then if you have tools like Outreach or SalesLoft, you can look at connection rate to see if it has improved over time because of having more phone numbers. And then for email, you can look at email response rates, especially for segmented nurture emails to see if those that were enriched, enriched versus not enriched had a higher response rate. I like that. So it's not just about database health. It's about like, mm -hmm. what are the actual results that we are seeing? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, if you are incorporating some of this data in like an account scoring methodology, you can also take a look at, do you have an increased uh, conversion rate of accounts? Mm, if you're utilizing yeah. it as a part of your lead scoring, you can identify mm -hmm. it, you know, is my, is my conversion rate from sales ready to opportunity improved? Mm -hmm. um, are we getting more volume because we're actually identifying people before they're engaging with forms or anything like that? Um, there's definitely some some areas there to to hook into. Yeah, maybe a little bit harder because you need you need more foundation pieces built mm -hmm. up. You need an account scoring methodology or what have you. But um, definitely some things to investigate and think about and add to your roadmap um, if you have them. Yes. Um, we always love to talk about kind of the gotchas and what you shouldn't do. Um, mm -hmm. And and this, these may be things that people are currently doing, and that's a-okay. Um, we've all been there. We've all, you know, either inherited an instance or made made a decision based upon the the facts that we had at the time. But any any recommendations on things to avoid when it comes to yeah that? yeah these are always fun. But or um, I've seen cases where a company already has an enrichment vendor. But then a certain team is not aware of it, so then they go and purchase another vendor. And then to make it worse, both are mapping to standard fields instead of creating custom fields, which makes it extremely difficult, if not impossible, to figure out where the data is coming from and what the source of truth is. And it could introduce racing conditions. So always, always evaluate whether you actually have a solution that does enrichment or whether you do need to introduce a new tool. Yeah, yeah. Again, don't don't develop this in a in a silo by any means. And maybe mm -hmm. you don't have a tool, but maybe there's two teams looking at getting a tool at the same time mm -hmm. and you don't know and then all of a sudden you both start to implement at the same time, which I've seen happen and and it can have the same detrimental effects for sure. Yeah, or even like when you are evaluating a tool just, you know, basing it on, oh yeah, uh, somebody used it at this last company. Always do your due diligence and um, make sure you evaluate multiple vendors. Um, you can typically, what I like to do is send them, um, like have them do a data bake-off. So send them some data and see like how they enrich it and see which one does better. Um, so always do your due diligence if you are evaluating multiple vendors. That's great. Yes. Um, and, and it's not just about the, if the data is being populated, 
it, you know, I, I think when you talk about that, that bake off, like I ask for the, for the details, I want to know, mm -hmm. you know, Hey, this is only a thousand records that I'm asking for. Give me, yeah. give me the information. Cause sometimes they'll tell you that we enriched it because we found their first name and last name. And you're like, well, their email address was first dot last. <laughs> like you're not doing any rockets. Right. Here, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're calling it, it, it an enriched record. Like, I really want to know, do you have direct dials? Do you have job titles? Do you have number of employees? And are they accurate? Yeah, exactly. For yeah. sure. It's always a fun exercise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and, and sometimes it can be time consuming, but it's time well spent yeah, um, because exactly. you are going to be in a contract for one or more years. Um, so if you make mm -hmm. a mistake on that, on the, on the front end, uh, it's not great. Yeah. Um, another thing is making sure you're not enriching the same records through both the integration with Salesforce and your marketing automation platform, which I've also seen. Because uh, you can use up wasting credits that way or inserting racing conditions, especially if your enrichment settings, like in the integration tool, uh, like what fields do you enrich or map differently in the Salesforce versus the marketing automation platform settings. Um, so that's always a danger because there's different places uh, where you can actually like say what data points you're mapping over in Salesforce versus marketing automation. So make sure the like your own like if you are doing lead and contact enrichment, typically you would do that through marketing automation through that integration and then like do account enrichment through Salesforce. And, and do you think that there's a difference there, like between instant versus scheduled? Like I, I I've built it in the past where I'll do a webhook in my marketing automation platform, call out to one of the data vendors, and then I'll do the, you know, monthly refresh on a, mm -hmm out of Salesforce, just so that way we're not, you know, using more webhook calls than we need to on the, on the automation side. Uh, what do you think there? Yeah, that's how I like to do it too. Like, um, the instant, just, yeah, do it, use the webhook, but then there, there are always cases where you, you would do want to do a batch. Um, and that can be done. I like to actually do it on a weekly basis, like over like a, like on a Saturday or something. Um, and that can, yeah, like you can easily set it up to go through Salesforce as well. Since those records are already created, you don't need to use that data right away, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. And okay. I do like my last point there is as far as what things not to do is don't just turn it on and forget it. As I already mentioned, like there are always issues that could arise and you should have monitoring reports that you look at ideally on a weekly basis to make sure the data is actually getting enriched. And if it isn't, know when to troubleshoot what the issue is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's easy to, you know, we're moving on to the next project. We just got done talking mm -hmm. about the product methodology that we have at CS2. And yeah. I think that it's really key that, you know, you're, we're in a continual monitoring perspective when we mm -hmm. are implementing these new tools and technologies, for sure. Definitely. Um, any closing thoughts for the audience, Dina? Yeah. Um, so I do want to say enrichment can be very powerful and deliver a lot of data points that you wouldn't get otherwise. But there is a lot to think about when deciding how to implement it. So make sure you have a strategy in place. Or if you're in, in inheriting an, an existing enrichment solution, audit to see how the data is coming in and how it's used since there may be ways to optimize. For sure. Yes. What a great, uh, what a great way to end 
a pretty weedy, uh, in the weeds type of podcast that we have. That's here. how I like to be. I always like to get in, into the weeds. <laughs> I, I, I think our listeners definitely appreciate that. We like to live there as well. I know you and I were chatting up uh, earlier this morning or earlier this week, prepping for today's podcast. And you're like, I don't know, it might be too detailed. I'm like, let's do yeah. it. Let's go for <laughs> it. So I really do hope that it was something that, you know, folks are going to be able to take with them. Um, it's a great, this is a great topic and a great podcast kind of outlining some of the specifics. So if you already have a platform in place, maybe it's time to add it to your roadmap to revisit. If you're not actively monitoring your enrichment platform, now's the time to start. And if you don't have a data platform and you're wondering, you know, is now the time for us to get it? I mean, as Nina and I said, it's it's the foundation of your automation. It's the foundation of your segmentation. So definitely worthwhile building out the business case for it. Yes. Nina, thank you so much for joining us today and walking through this process um, and, and giving some really great recommendations. I appreciate your time. Yes, thanks, Andrew. It was, it was a fun chat. Thank you. Absolutely. Looking forward to having you on next. You've been listening to the Forward Thinking Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would really appreciate it if you could go out and give us a review. This helps us get this message in front of more people. Share it with a colleague, share it with a friend. I don't know if you'd want to share this one with your parents who don't know anything about operations, but you know, just in case if they have some extra time and they want to listen a little bit about data enrichment, please do share that. I'm Xander Brothel. I was joined today by Nina. Thank you and have a